0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran Excellence killed the church. How mediocrity is destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener.
2: Welcome, 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 folks. We uh we are coming to you. We did not anticipate doing a broadcast today, as you obviously know. Uh we are um in crazy times here in the United States of America. I'm the Ninja Pastor, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, and uh, I am about to interview, live on the air with you, um, a man who, we've done our homework on this guy, Uh, we've been working on this all day long, and I, I have to tell you, this has been a crazy developing thing. And as a result, uh, what has developed as a result of this is multiple levels, uh, those of you who know me, uh, multiple levels of uh, verification and multiple levels of, let's just make sure before the Ninja Pastor gets on the, uh, before the Ninja Pastor gets on the radio and talks to Well, I I don't know how many will be listening live now, but I suspect this will be something that uh, will be spread far and wide. And the fact of the matter is, is this is, uh, this is an interview with a man who has lived his life, Mr. Ed Snipes. He's 72 years old, uh, lives in Burns, Oregon. He's lived his life, uh, in public service and, uh, it's just one of those things that you just quite frankly you look at a guy like this and you say, you know, this is a stand-up guy. I would love it if I would love it if he is um if he was my if he was my dad, if he was my uncle. I would love it. Public service for over 20 years uh with the Orlando Fire Department. He was a lieutenant actually when he retired with the Orlando Fire prior to that, he had uh, been in Worked in Florida as a cowboy and uh, did all kinds of things in Florida. And and then, of course, he went to work for the Orlando uh, Fire Department for 22 years. He worked for them and retired as a lieutenant. And then uh, he was a cowboy in north central Idaho um, where he did what cowboys do. He did what cowboys do. By the way, welcome to those of you in chat. Thank you for joining us for this very, very special, very last-second broadcast. And I want to give a very public thank you to my good friends at CSG, Center for Self-Governance. You guys know I, I talk about them all the time. Um, they're the most awesome people ever. And as, as my good friend Mark Kerr, uh, one of the founders of of uh, what I think is, is what will save the republic, quite frankly, uh, Center for Self-Governance, Mark Herr, uh, I have told him, I, I actually told him today, did I not? Today I told you this. Uh, he's actually here with me. Uh, we were at training, and I said, you know, I, I wouldn't be involved with this training if I didn't think this was the one thing that could save us as a country. The Center for Self-Governance is awesome, and, and they're doing training uh, tomorrow, I think tomorrow or the next day, in Burns, Oregon, uh just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing stuff. So we, we've done our homework, uh as as those of you who know how I do things, uh we want to make sure and we uh confirm that Mr. Snipes uh knew the protesters very well. In fact he in fact he had uh not that long ago took took a hog, uh slaughtered a hog and cooked it and took it up to them so they would have food to eat. He knew them well, knew the Hammonds knew the bundys knew uh you know knew the family and and he's been in the middle of this whole thing, and I'm gonna tell you um it's extraordinary when i when I listen to his story, my mind was blown, it was absolutely blown uh it's it's just something that you just won't believe and um because he's been in the middle of it all. Uh, I'm not going to say where he lives. He lives in Burns, Oregon. I'm not going to tell where he lives. But, uh, you know, he he knows these people, these people involved. And because he knows these people, he, he cares about them. They matter to him. You know, these are people that, you know, you go to church with. Uh, you develop a relationship with over time, and and I don't know how many of you people. I, I just don't know how many of you people really know what a rancher's life is like. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. You know, city po- city people just don't know. They don't know. They don't know how it works. They don't know about the rancher life the the life that is uh without a doubt a hard life i mean it's 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 a tough life but it's good hard work you know it's it's good hard work and these people i you need to understand they never shy from the work they never have They never shy from work. Can you call him and give him this number? Because he's not he's not called in yet. Hopefully they're not jamming his phones. Um thank you, brother. Uh, I'm gonna tell you folks, you've you've I know you've all heard the term salt of the earth, right? I mean, raise a hands. Who's heard salt of the earth? So many people, and i and I have to tell you this is this is that guy this is that salt of the earth seventy two year old guy that you think, "Oh man, I wish he was my grandpa, I wish he was my papa, you know, I wish he was somehow or another, I wish I was related to the guy you know this is this is that guy, folks. This is that guy. And and this is a guy that you can trust what he has to say because I'll tell you this, at 72 years old, living the life he's led, I'm just going to tell you he's he's not the kind of he he doesn't you'll find out he doesn't mince words. He does not mince words. And you know, when it all comes down to it, These are the people that make America, America. These are the people that we we look to, his generation of people, his type of person. We look to them and we say, this is how America was. And we we look at ourselves. We say to ourselves, what happened to our country? What happened to our country? What did we do with it? What did we do with it? Why are we facing all of these things? And I and I tell people all the time, you know, Center for Self Governance. And I'm not saying this just because Mark Hirsch right next to me. You guys have heard me talk about it, but I'm telling you, it is the secret sauce. No kidding. And, and the time is now. The time is now. We're in such deep trouble. I I just I wish there was a way that I could get into your head and tell you. To where you'd never mistake it. You'd never mistake it. Uh, okay, let's see here. Caller ID. Um, I tell you what, let's go to commercial real quick, and we're going to try to link them up. I know this is not a surprise, but we're having trouble linking up, and I'm I'm not at all shocked at that. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of stuff about uh, CSG. We'll be right back with you. Hey, happy warriors. This is the Ninja Pastor here. Listen, keepers of the republic, people who care about the future of this country, if that's you, and you're not the you that just wants to talk about it, just do Facebook posts, just do Twitter, but I mean, you really want to do something. You really want to make a difference. You're called a keeper of the republic. Our founders clearly detailed that we, the people, would keep our republic if we participated in our own governance. Self-governance, let me tell you what, requires education, participation, sacrifice, and determination and the belief that you can make a difference look you got to do something but what is something as i said facebook posts they won't save the republic neither will rallies or voter drives it goes way deeper and if you truly want to do something of value that is also effective the question is are you willing Listen, you can go to centerforselfgovernance.com or you can go to facebook.com backslash godandcountryradio. There's a link there uh, for a center of self-governance. All you do is click there while you're there at facebook.com backslash God and country radio, Click on like and sign up, and you'll have all these links uh, immediately available to you. super, super easy, and I can help arrange courses for you in the Northeast and elsewhere. You've got to do it. You say I gotta do something, I wanna do something. This is the something, this is the something really big, this is the secret sauce. You gotta ask yourself some tough questions. Do you really have what it ta- do you really have what it takes to help save this country? Do you really want to save the country? Have you given up already? Then here's the really, really tough question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia and towns across America? Soldiers who gave everything, committed everything to our freedom. How do you do it? Go to my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, and then click on the link to this, Center for Self-Governance. It'll be right there. You want to do something? This is your something. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. We're back. Thank you for your patience. We've gotten it all worked out. Uh, We are, uh, we are, About to go live here. Let me just make sure we get everything linked up here. Hang on, just one second. And when I say this is last minute, folks, I'm not kidding you. We are talking last minute. But um, we've been doing our homework all day long. And we wanted to make sure. We wanted to make sure. And so now we're sure we're going to welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Ed Snipes. Uh, this is Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor. Thank you for joining us.
3: You are quite welcome. It is my pleasure.
2: Well, the pleasure is all mine, and our audience is uh, eager to hear from you. So, um, I told the folks out there listening uh, that you uh, you're retired as a, a fire. You you fought fires for. Was it, 22 years, did you say?
3: Well, 30 years altogether. Big city firefighter.
2: My goodness. (laughs) Big city firefighter. Uh, I know we have a guy listening right now that's actually a firefighter in Ohio. God bless him. And uh, we're, you know, hey, you know what? We have a great respect for firefighters. So you spent uh, a a good long amount of your time serving the community in a very dangerous situation. And now uh, you're... Now, are you ranching still, or are you? what all do you do now?
3: Well, at the present time, I uh, raise hay and uh, sell it to cattlemen and dairies, and uh, would like to have cattle again, but uh, just can't depend on the BLM for grazing.
2: Well, uh, let me ask you about that, because you bring up the BLM, and you're right there in Burns. So, what has been your experience with the BLM? What What is your when when someone says, look, when someone says BLM to a city person or a person that's not experienced, because out west the you know land management the feds own so much, but out east they own barely none. So we don't hear Bureau of Land Management. Where people say, well, what's that? We don't know what that is. Um but what does what do you think of when you you live there and you deal with ranchers and and you know you have a lot of interface with ranchers when when someone says something uh that includes b l m in it what do you think
3: well uh the b l m Bureau of land managers is a federal organization uh for one thing, they're not allowed to own any land. So they get jurisdiction over it, and uh, they can tell you when and where you can graze your cattle, and they charge you for this. But if you're grazing, and we'll just use a round figure of 100 cows, and uh, all of a sudden you've got this money invested in this herd of cows, and they just decide they don't want to renew your uh, grazing permit.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So there you are. Holding a hundred head of cows and you have no place to put them, uh, you'll have to take them to the market and sell them, and the market fluctuates and you could lose a lot of money. So I just cannot afford to uh, put myself in that position.
2: Now, see, that's something I want to touch on because, uh, as a guy who's raised uh, cattle and 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 you've grown hay and and different aspects of the whole ranching. I want to make sure our audience understands because, because not all of them are city folk, but you know nowadays you know there's not as many people who are uh, familiar with farms and ranching and 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 livestock. They just don't know. So when when we say and when you say, uh, Mister Ed Snipes, when you say, "Hey, you know, I got to have a place for my animals." To feed, I've got to have water for my animals. I've I've got to do that. To to the regular person who's not into uh, ranching, they they just don't think about. Well, you just bring them water, right? That's all you do is you bring them water. That's that's what people do is they they bring them water. Uh, But if the Bureau of Land Management, if the feds control the water and the feed and the grazing and all these things, despite you paying. Because I think a lot of people out there think, well, these are just greedy ranchers. These ranchers have thousands of acres. My goodness, they're just greedy. They want stuff for free. Well, that's not how it works. Well, it's not how it works at all. The folks pay uh, an exorbitant amount for grazing fees and for water rights and and all these things. And, of course, the Hammonds, which really let's let's, – you know, and I know this is very important to you, and I want to make sure that our audience knows. Listen, folks, this is about the Hammonds. Uh, it is, it is a horrible thing, and we'll get into what happened with Mr. Lavoy Finnicum. But that this is, this is, uh, these folks came there at great risk to themselves from all over to stand for the Hammonds, for the truth as it relates to the Hammonds. And that truth, I'm sad to say, and I'm embarrassed for the media. I'm not. Part of the media. I just have a, a an individual radio show. I don't, you know. I wrote a book and I travel around the country, but I, I'm not the media. And but I'm embarrassed for the media, and I wonder why the media is not telling the story because, quite frankly, they have access to Mister Snipes, uh, just like I do. But they're not telling the story. Hey, this is these are people, and and I'll tell you what, folks out there listening. And thank you, by the way, for joining us at such last minute. I I don't ever do these last minute shows, but we usually do the scheduled shows on Mondays and Sundays. But the bottom line is, uh, it's just I don't normally do this. That being said, I appreciate you joining me, but I need you to understand, that if you get nothing else out of this today, and you're going to hear some things from Mr. Snipes that are frankly going to blow your mind. And there's a lot of people, I have a lot of people that I respect very greatly, that they say, no, I saw the video, he was going for a gun. He had a gun. Mr. Lavoy Finnicum had a gun. Now, I was with him until he went reaching for a gun. Well, I was with him until he rammed the car and all these different things. But we're going to give you some information in America and really around the world. We have folks listening all over the world. But all of that said to say this, there's an important truth to realize here. Imagine, and I want to make this analogy for you, imagine if you were in the business of planting uh crops for food and you were raising livestock that both had to eat uh you you had to uh you know this is food folks i i, I don't know if m- many people know i know the liberals they like to think well i don't understand why people hunt you just go to the grocery store you don't have to kill anything you just get the the meat in the little cellophane pack, you know. Nobody no animal has to die. Well, they're idiots. They don't know. They don't know any better. They're dumb. They don't they they don't hunt. They don't know what ranching's all about. These people make their living off the land. And when an animal can't drink and an animal can't graze, the animal's going to die. And when a rancher is put in a position by the federal government uh it is, quite frankly, I don't know. What would you even call it, Mark? I don't even know what you would call it. It, It's not theft. I, I don't know. Is it abuse? I, I don't know what I would call it. It's, It's just, it's taking. It's taking. The federal government comes in and they say, they make an agreement with the ranchers, and then they take it. They take the land. They take the water. They take your ability to make a living. They squeeze you out by the neck. And and Mr. Snipes knows all about this. He's been all up in this. Now, Mr. Snipes, what do you know about? We'll we'll go to the Hammonds first. I want I want I want the people to have a a uh, an idea of what the Hammonds are all about. What kind of people are the Hammonds?
3: Uh the Hammonds is as good a neighbor as you could get. Uh they have always made themselves available to the community. Uh if a neighbor needed some help they were always there to help. Uh they like most ranchers are busy all the time. Uh people kinda think we're stuck up. But that's not the case. Our job is twenty four seven. Those animals have to be taken care of around the clock. And it's not just throw them out on some grass let them eat, and then you sell some of them at the end of the year. They Hmm. require constant attention. So uh, the Hammonds were always there when a neighbor needed help. Uh, Super nice people, uh, well-liked in the community. They're just good people.
2: Well, why has all of this come upon them? What is the... What is the source, as you know it, from living there in the community and being friends with them, experiencing the life of being a rancher with them? T- tell me where you think the trouble comes from.
3: Well, it goes back many years. Uh, the fire they set that uh, brought this all about was a backfire because there was a fire coming through across BLM land headed for their grazing for their cattle on their private land. So they started a backfire on their private land to uh, stop the fire that was coming across BLM. Uh, The fire kind of got out of control a little bit, burned about 125 acres of the uh, public land, which was nothing but sagebrush. There was no damage done or anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, The BLM has been trying to acquire uh the Hammond ranch for quite some time. So that's what brought this all about is the Hammonds didn't want to sell. They wanted to be able to pass it on to their children and their grandchildren. So hmm. when they refused to sell all of this started.
2: Now I, I wanna I wanna go back to something really quick because the story that the media is repeating and, and folks don't be so friendly to Fox News. Don't be so don't give Fox News such a pass because let me tell you something. Fox News hasn't been telling the truth either. Because they reported it as these men, this Hammond family set a fire. Now they told the story of they set a fire to cover up poaching. They killed deer and they poached and so as a result that's what you know that's that's why they did it. They set the fire to cover up their crime. And you need to understand, America, that's not what happened at all. What they what happened was there was already a fire on BLM land that was coming on to the Hammonds' land. And the BLM, because the, the federal government's never proven they're good at anything, didn't contain it, couldn't contain it. So the Hammonds said, you know what we're going to have to do? We've got to save our land. We've got to save our house. We're going to have to do a backfire. Now, a backfire... For folks that don't know what that is, it's a strategic fire. Now, Mr. Snipes would know what this is. It's Look, we don't have some guy on here that doesn't know what he's talking about, a backfire. Number one, he's a rancher and farmer. Number two, he was a fireman. He's a retired fireman. And he knows what a backfire is, but I'm going to tell you what a backfire is. It's a strategic setting of a fire to stop a bigger fire. There's, because you, what you do is, is if the fire is jumping 10, 15, 20 yards at a time and the embers are blowing, the wind is going a certain direction, you, burn, you strategically and carefully burn that brush out ahead of it so there's nothing for it to catch on fire. So you basically create a fire break. Folks, the Native Americans been doing this for years. Uh, really and truly, anybody knows anything about land management, ranch management, they've been doing it for years. They know all about it. This is how you do it in the West. Folks, I want to give you a picture of how remote this place is. Nobody's coming. You dial the fire department, nobody's coming. you got to handle this yourself. Ranchers are very self-sufficient. They're very independent. They have to do it. They have to do it. You have to handle this yourself. Nobody's coming. Even the BLM's not coming. So you have to handle it yourself. So these folks, back to uh, Mr. Snipes, these folks, they the Hammond family set a backfire, and about 127 or 125 acres that was BLM land burnt. Now, it was just, we're not talking about pristine, people think, oh, they killed all the precious eagles and all these other things. That's not what happened, folks. That's not what happened at all. It was just sagebrush. It was just open kind of prairie land. So as long as everybody's with me, as long as everybody's following me, then we'll go. we'll go back to Mr. Snipes. Now, so you told me uh that you knew these folks pretty well that were there. Well, I want to go back to something that you said that I just it just doesn't square with what the American press and what the federal government has been saying and all the, the the photographs and video that we see and the things that we hear from the American press and the federal government is there was all these guys and heavily armed and and uh you know, when they took they and I'll use their words. They took the refuge. They they seized the refuge, armed an armed occupation. Now you were there. T- tell me what it was and where they were and who and how many people were there and what was going on.
3: Okay, there, there's a small bird sanctuary on the uh, south side of Lake Malheur, and uh, there's a few buildings there to uh where they operate out of to run the refuge. Mm-hmm. Now, we had had a march in town free the Hammonds, mm-hmm. in the the day before they were uh had to turn themselves in for imprisonment. Right. Now, when we got through with the march, uh we went to and had a meeting at uh our memorial building at our fairgrounds. Mhm. Okay, three of the people involved in the march, which was uh, uh, Ammon Bundy, his brother, and one other guy. These are cowboys, okay? Mm -hmm. This is not some heavily armed militia. These are three cowboys, went out to the refuge. There was nobody there. What they did, they entered the uh, summer firefighter's bunkhouse. Which was at the time abandoned for the winter. Right? They went inside there. That is all that happened. There was that is the big militia, armed militia takeover of a federal building. That's now what you, it
2: was. Not to interrupt you, Mister Snipes, but you must have meant three hundred. There was no, there three. must have been three hundred. The number three, one, two, three. Uno, dos, tres. One,
3: two, three. That's all it that was there. And it was three cowboys.
2: Hmm. Three people. Three, three people. law-abiding people. Law-abiding people didn't ever, harm, didn't, didn't ever harm anybody.
3: Nope. That why? you know that's the whole story of the big federal. I mean, the big uh, militia takeover of the federal building. That was it.
2: Why do you think? Why do you think the press and, and the federal government? Was uh, so committed to their story that this was some big takeover.
3: Well, for the press, I can't say for the federal government what their uh, reason was yet, but for the press, it was a lot more exciting.
2: Hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a saying uh, that I've heard a lot of uh, media people say: "If it bleeds, it leads." So yep. if it's something you know scary and big and. Uh, you know, even if it's not true. Because I don't know that the press, in fairness, I don't know that the press uh, has ever allowed the truth to get in the way of a good story. So, just to recap for you, America, uh, three. Three people. Three ranchers that were known to everybody in this area. They lived in the area. uh, Known to everybody. Liked by everybody. Liked by everybody. Except for the folks that ran the Refuge, and the folks, the feds, that wanted that land. If you listen to me, what was it, uh, the, last week and then a couple weeks ago, and then you can go and get catch up on it. Uh, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. dot uh, com, or com. You go to the blog post. There's links there. It's free of charge. It doesn't cost you one red cent. You can catch up on this. We've talked about a lot of timelines way back in years when the feds started hating on this famine. Now, if you're sitting there in in uh, some city somewhere, some urban area, and and you, know, you look out your window, you see a bunch of lights, and you, you hear sirens, and you hear horns honking, and dogs barking, and all this stuff. You know what these folks hear? Nothing. They hear the coyotes howl, they'll hear the cows moo, you know, different things, chickens and whatnot, but they don't hear a bunch of that other noise that you hear. And they're responsible for the safety and security of everything that's out there. It's all They're stewards of the land. They want the land to be healthy for the animals and healthy for the humans. Why? Because they live off the land. Everything they get from the land comes from the land. So uh, Mr. Snipes, Mr. Ed Snipes, 72-year-old uh, fellow that his story is just absolutely amazing for just joining us, has just told us that, you know, he's been around these people a lot. He lives he lives right there. And I don't want to say exactly where you live. I know you told me where you live, but I don't want to say where you live on the air. Just, you know, we know people are probably listening that don't have, uh, and I think you're very brave for doing that. So I'll, I'll just tell you right now, I think you're incredibly brave and yours is a generation uh that we could learn a lot from but i'm purposely not saying exactly where you live because i don't want to give folks that that direct line to you even though i know that you're not afraid of them i know that for sure so so you've, you you this three people now let's let's recap here three people uh three ranchers known to everybody everybody liked them nobody was afraid of them they're there in this bunkhouse that has been abandoned The image the press has given and the image that the feds gave was this is an armed siege, which they took over a building, and, you know, they're not allowing anybody in, and they're armed, they're standing there, and nobody can get in, nobody can get out. Three people, just so we're clear. So what happens over time, uh, Mr. Snipes, what happens over time, you know, as time goes on here, what what do you see start happening as as this, you know uh, Ammon Bundy's there and and the folks are they did the protest the march and they're there they're being peaceful but what do you see happening there on the refuge there in the bunkhouse?
3: Well, actually, there was nothing happening. They cleaned this place up. They uh, stayed in the bunkhouse to bring attention to the Hammonds' situation. Hmm. Okay, okay, uh, there's not much we can do for the hammonds uh that's up to lawyers and the courts right uh, so what we do is we're bringing attention to the land grabs, which was what was happening to the Hammonds, so that when the Hammonds do come home, that they won't have to put up with the persecution of the b l m anymore that mm-hmm. they can live out their lives on their own privately owned ranch, and use the uh, public lands for grazing, which is the best thing in the world you can do for public lands. Mm -hmm. It keeps down the uh, noxious weeds. Uh, People will say, well, we want it to be natural, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what natural is? Go back 400 years. There was probably 10,000 buffalo out there grazing the land. Well, some idiots came out and just shot all the buffalo for fun and to make buffalo robes and stuff. So now there's no more buffalo. The mm. only thing we have to keep this land grazed down are the cattle. The cattle is the best thing in the world you can use mm. to uh keep the land in good shape.
2: So it's kind of it's kind of um it's kind of one of those situations where Really, the the people the fa- the people who are ranchers, people who are there, the natural way is the best way. This yes. is the healthiest way, the safest way. This is the best thing that you can do for these animals,
3: That's or right. for this
2: land, for this land. Yep.
3: So. For the land.
2: So you're there. Do you see what do you see start happening as this gets out, the press and and all this starts happening. What do you see start happening there?
3: Well, it it everything gets blown completely out of proportion. Okay? We wanted some attention for the Hammonds. Right. To try to get people to realize, maybe get them to sign the petition, you know, to have their sentences commute. because uh $400,000 fine and 5 years in federal prison for burning 125 acres of sagebrush. I think it and the first judge said that was way too much. Mm -hmm. So he gave Dwight uh, three months and Stephen a year, and they went and served their sentences Mm -hmm. and were released. But they Mm -hmm. still wouldn't sell their ranch or turn it over to BLM, so they took them back and had another judge, a federal judge, uh, bring them back to prison to serve out the minimum sentence, because what they were charged under was... uh, a law that was passed after the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm -hmm. They passed a law about burning and the destruction of government property. Mm -hmm. That's the one they were uh, arrested for. And uh, there's a minimum, it's a domestic terrorist law, and the minimum sentence was supposed to be five years. So they used that to put them back in prison.
2: Had you ever heard of that in your lifetime? You've been on the earth 72 years. Have you ever heard of anybody getting a sentence, being tried for something, which, granted, they didn't commit a crime, but, you know, they want you to sell the land. What better way to put you in a bad way than to lock down all your access to your water, to your grazing lands, all these different things, tell you you got to fence the whole thing, all of those things, but up, you know what? Well, you got to put you in prison. The, the two of the men that run the ranch were putting you in prison. What better way to put the family in a bad, bad way and have to sell the farm than put the, put the patriarch and the, uh, and, the, and the son, the one who's doing the most work there on the, on the ranch, put him in prison for a while? Have you ever heard of anybody being put back in prison because they're sentenced, well, that wasn't enough. You did serve your time that you were given by a judge, but that wasn't enough. We're going to have to put you right back in prison because now we have a new law we're going to use on you. After yeah. the fact.
3: Well, I've never heard of anything like that in my life.
2: Nor have I, and to be honest with you, Mr. Snipes, I don't think most of our audience has heard it either. So so no. as time goes on, mm-hmm. now, America, I, I want you to understand some uh, a very important thing, and, and it's very important to me, it's very important to, uh, I know, the Center for Self-Governance, and, and for Mr. Snipes, and certainly for the Hammond family. I, I think it's very important to understand That this, at its origin, is about a good family that is having their land taken from them. They have been harassed, not just for just ten minutes. I mean, they've been harassed for decades. And uh, the folks that went there, originally the three that were at the bunkhouse, and, and you heard Mr. Snipe say, they cleaned it up. They left it better than they found it who in here thinks who in the world listening thinks that the federal government takes care of things better than the private citizen I, I don't know a single person that thinks that, so they cleaned it up and they took care of it and But the three people are there, and they do the march. why because they want to bring attention to help out the hammond family so that when they so that when mr dwight hammond seventy i think he's seventy four seventy five years old Mr Dwight. He Hammond. is
3: uh seventy four.
2: And and so then when you so when you know when they get out of jail, you wanna have helped them. So that's why you were you all were kinda gathering there and you thought, well if we go and we protest and we get some press here, America's gonna care. America's gonna say, Hey, this isn't right. This is wrong that the federal government is doing that. Somebody's gotta do something. We gotta stop it. So so as you're seeing these things happen and the press is coming and you probably think, well, the story's getting out now. America's going to see this. The regular everyday people are going to see this and they're going to say, hey, you know what? This isn't right. We're going to talk to our folks and we're going to, we're really going to, we're really going to clamp down on our elected representatives and the federal government. And we're going to say, hey, you can't do this. This isn't right. We won't have it. But that didn't happen. It seems like that didn't happen because America didn't seem to care. They cared about Donald Trump, whether he's, you know, what he's going, what Donald Trump's going to do, and, and the argument this and that and the other. And my goodness, none of that really. Ma- when when it all comes down to it, somebody's land is being taken. Somebody's being abused by the federal government. None of that other stuff matters. So the day, uh, and I know you explained this to me. I want to take it through step by step. So so America, you have the backstory now. And we kind of went quick through it, but uh it's important for you to know the backstory, so the day you were headed to John Day Oregon now folks, John Day Oregon is the name of a uh I don't even know if you call it a town, I guess it is a town
3: it's, it's a small <laughs> town,
2: yeah, a little small town excuse me, and you're you're on your way there now why, first of all, who all was going? Who all was going to John Day, Oregon?
3: Well, we have formed a committee of safety here that goes back to, I think, John Hancock was the first one to form one to protect the colonies. Hmm. And uh, what we did was, it's it's been on the book since then that you can do this. Uh committee of safety looks out for the people to make sure that uh, small, corrupt uh, rulers and uh, governments don't abuse them. So, we had formed this safety of committee i mean Committee of safety, and uh the people in Grant County, the next county over had invited us up to talk, and they had invited Ammon Bundy to be the guest speaker
0: mm-hmm.
3: so uh, we were headed up that way now, just to tell you right now, there was no guns in any of the vehicles going that way. None. All guns were left behind down at the refuge for mm-hmm. Hammond and his bunch. Uh, the Committee of Safety is totally disarmed.
0: We mm-hmm.
3: we are only uh, a group of people who research and bring up points of order and the Constitution. Now, we were traveling up a highway that's about 60 miles long that doesn't have a building on it hardly, uh through the national forest to get to uh from Burns Oregon to John Day Oregon now you got to remember we were invited we called the sheriff and made sure it was okay with him if we come up there and he said fine the citizens were meeting to try to come up with the same thing we did because the BLM allowed a fire to get out of control up there that burned approximately 140 Uh, structures last year, Mm -hmm. 40 of them being people's homes. Hmm. Uh, So they were kind of upset about all of this. So they wanted to form a committee of safety and find out what they could do to get it straightened out. Now, they have a what we call a constitutional sheriff. So he is backing the people, the people that voted him in. He has their back. And I pray to God that the people have his back.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
3: uh we're traveling up this highway and I guess our truck was in the lead. There were five people in it. Uh Ammon Bundy's truck was probably 3 to 5 minutes behind us.
2: Now Mr. Snipes, I, I pardon my interruption. I just want to I want to to catch something uh real quick. Um there's a there's a publication called The Right Scoob, that is saying that uh, the Finnicum vehicle had two 223 or AR 15s, a revolver plus a 9mm on Mr. Lavoy Finnicum, as reported by the FBI. They're saying they're reporting the FBI told them that Mr. Lavoy Finnicum had a 9mm on him and that the vehicle had two AR 15 rifles, 223 rifles, and a revolver. Now, you're saying to us that there were no weapons in those vehicles at all.
3: No, there wasn't. uh, Now, I wasn't there at the scene then. They let our truck go through. Okay. Okay, but we saw them. There was probably six to eight of the big black SUVs sitting back in the forest with several people on snowmobiles uh, that we saw running around out there. Well, we couldn't make a call because they picked an area where there was no phone reception. Okay? So they, if they used the excuse, the first thing that came out, okay, was it was a routine traffic stop. The next, (laughs) I'm I'm getting kind of frustrated here. I can
2: imagine. I I can imagine. Heck of a thing uh, to live through.
3: What they did. the stop happened. We were listening to it on police scanners after we got to John Day. Okay. And, you know, we heard the shots fired. Now, how many uh, vehicles
2: Boy- How many vehicles are we talking about here? Because America is asking how many vehicles are we talking about? Are we talking about um, ten vehicles that were in your not, – not the number of feds, because we, we're getting a picture now that it was nothing at all like what they said. Because they, they've portrayed it as – Hey, a police officer was just out there, and and we pulled them over and stopped them for a traffic violation. And by goodness, they started shooting at us. Uh, well, but I'm t- I'm talking about in your in your convoy, the folks that were going to John Day as invited to this meeting. What? Um, how many vehicles were in your group?
3: Well, my group was a committee of safety. There was one vehicle. I got you. okay. In Ammon's group, there was two pickup trucks.
0: Mhm. That was it. Wow. Uh
3: and you cannot tell me that they didn't plan this out because once Ammon got on the highway, they blocked the highway and wouldn't let anybody else come through. Mhm. Okay. It's uh it was a setup. If they had wanted, they say, "Well, we did it out here where the public would be safe." Mm-hmm. Okay. 2 days before Ammon was in the federal compound, okay, the FBI compound, unarmed, talking to them, trying to reach some kind of an agreement on what to do. In the same day, if I remember correctly, he was at the sheriff's office, unarmed, trying to reach some kind of an agreement. Okay. If they had wanted to arrest him, they could have done it then, no problem. Okay. These people the vehicle, uh the one that Lavoie was in, uh Ammon's group was ahead, they stopped them at a roadblock and they all got out and surrendered.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. When Lavoy's group came along they stopped them further back down the road and held them there for a little while.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know why they moved up to the roadblock. Uh I wasn't there. I can't tell you that. I've got my own feelings about why they did.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: Lavoie's truck had five people in it. There was two women. One of them was an 18-year-old young lady and uh, Ammon's brother in the back seat.
0: backseat. Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Now, I called the uh, refuge the next morning and asked him. I said, was they armed? And the guy says, No. They left all of their guns here. I've got them laying right here in front of me. So wow. So if I can't, you know, like I say, I wasn't there. I can't say that uh, Lavoie had a, didn't have a gun on him, but I've never known that man to do anything out of the way. He was just a super nice rancher with ten kids, most of them adopted.
0: Mm-hmm
3: to try to take care of these kids, to raise them, give them a home, and stuff. And he was just a super nice guy. Mm -hmm. The uh, young lady, the 18-year-old in the back seat, always sang the national anthem for us.
0: Mm. It
3: wasn't like what you see at a sporting event. She sang both verses, and she could hit the high notes.
0: Wow. The most
3: beautiful rendition of the national anthem you've ever heard in your life. And that's what she was going up there for.
0: Hmm.
2: So uh, she she knew because this girl I've posted uh, audio of her. She knew them all very well. Now I'm curious about something because, and I'm and I'm trying to understand. There's a guy who says. Now did he say he was Ammon's uh, bodyguard? He said on an interview that was released by the FBI that he and it's posted all over Facebook that he was Ammon's bodyguard, that he was next to him, and that he saw from where they were, he saw Mr. Lavoy uh ram a barricade and run into the snow and then jump out of the vehicle and run toward the feds. And this guy's saying, I'm with him until he does that. But, you know, this is what he did. Why do you think this guy is saying that? And do you know this guy?
3: No, I don't really know him uh there was a the, the people took turns being uh Ammon's bodyguard, okay. I knew some of them uh My problem with that whole scenario, and there again, it's just uh speculation mm-hmm. on my part trying to figure out what happened
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh There was two guys there was one in Ammon's truck who was a passenger or driving Ammon's truck, I think and uh, there was one in Lavoie's truck who was a passenger in the front seat. Mm -hmm. Both of these guys got out of the trucks immediately and got out of the way. Hmm. Okay, I I don't know. But anyway, from what I heard on the news, and there again, I don't believe everything I hear on the news, these two guys were questioned and
2: released. Hmm. Now, why, why do you figure... Uh, a man who was there. I mean, isn't this a reasonable question? A man's there. He's part of the force that allegedly is doing an armed occupation of federal land. What, now, how, in America, I'm asking you too, how in the world do you look at that and find that at all believable that this fellow who is now coming out and saying on video, well, I don't know. He. I don't know why he got out of the car. I don't know why he rammed the thing and ran off into the, and ran at the people. I don't know why he did that, but that's what he did. Now, I want to go back. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, I want to go back to this really quick, just to make sure. So, your vehicle, Mr. Snipes, the vehicle that you were in with your Committee of Safety, um, you had no guns, that we know for sure.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Now, why do you think the feds let your vehicle go through this obvious, I think it's an ambush site. Why do you think they let you go through?
3: Well, as far as I know, it would cut down on the witnesses to what really went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The only witnesses you have there was the young girl who is in hiding, uh, Ammon, uh, his brother, and... Uh, Oh, I think there's a couple of more guys, too, that was there that have all been arrested in prison in uh, uh, uh north part of uh, Oregon up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, It's just, uh, I can't explain it to you. None of it makes any sense at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I've come up with what I think happened. But I can't say that. It's pure speculation. I wasn't there to witness it. Right. But I did know these people, and I do know the gentleman that I talked to at the refuge the next morning when I asked him were they armed, and he says no. Nobody took a gun. They're all laying right here.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, uh, and this is important. This is something that I really... Um, I want to emphasize too. I want to make sure that we're understanding you correctly. Um, the and and this maybe maybe I misheard you, and I don't want to I don't want to be ignorant here. But why wasn't Ammon? And I'm trying to wrap my arms around it, and it's really kind of twisting my brain up. If if they were after Ammon, and they wanted a peaceful solution, and they didn't want to endanger the people of Burns, and they were tired of the interruption at Burns, why do you think they wouldn't just go to Ammon Bundy, who is a super nice man, a uh, family man, good good people, and just say, hey, you know what, listen, let's, let let us you're here, we're federal property, we're the FBI, we're going to just arrest you now peacefully, you're not armed, we just want to... We just want to make sure that it goes down safely. We don't want anybody to get hurt, man. We don't want a bunch of shooting. So, tell you what, let's do. Let's just walk our way to our vehicles. We'll, we won't even handcuff you until you get to the vehicles. So we don't spook the folks here. And then you just come with us. It, how does that sound? So we can. Well,
3: I don't think Ammon would have left with him because he was trying to keep attention on the problem that we have. Right. Uh, But if they had wanted to do that, they had ample opportunity in the two days before this happened because he was in their compound, okay, not out at the refuge. He was in the FBI compound and the sheriff's office in town trying to work out some kind of deal.
2: Right. Who has the guns now, do you think? Well, so they're unarmed, and and I believe you. When you say, look, these folks were unarmed, uh, I believe you. Um, Now, uh, who has the guns? You called, now you called, uh, Mr. Snipes, you called the refuge, the folks up there, the refuge, and you were told by one of the people that was there, allegedly an occupier, an armed occupier, and he he said to you, this fellow said to you, look, they weren't armed because all the guns were left behind by the convoy, so nobody had any guns. And, well, who has those guns now? and did the feds come and seize them
3: well there was only six people uh mm-hmm. left at the refuge uh i talked to them a couple of times and uh that we i just don't know right now their guns that were left behind would either be at the refuge there's been some conflicting reports over what happened out there there was a mm-hmm. report on the news that these people had been arrested three of them were arrested and three of them were allowed to leave well then later on that evening they come back and says no that's not true uh... the refuge is still under uh... i guess uh... occupation Hmm. uh... so i don't know exactly you can't get in there you can't even get close to it uh... some ranchers were out there and i found this out to be true today i'd heard the rumor earlier, but uh, the cowboys and the ranchers are out there feeding their cattle, and uh, a man and a wife at a little town community, not a town, uh, Mm -hmm. south of us, were pulled out of their trucks and searched, and then allowed to go on, and then down the road a little further, they were pulled out of their truck and searched again. Okay, over by the refuge, there's a ranch over there, and a guy was out to feed his cattle, and they were a man and a wife, and they were pulled out of their truck and searched. And from what I hear, they just about tore the truck up looking for guns, and there was none. Hmm. So I don't know, you know, other than that, I know we can't get in there. Okay, hmm. now, the, there's a man and wife team that I have met recently uh they are from Wisconsin they had moved retired and moved to Idaho and they came over to stand ground with you know the uh, protesters out there mm-hmm. and she called me up and she was crying and she says I know we're going to die i have two little dogs here would you please come get them well i couldn't get in there to get the dogs because the road was blocked so they had a lady there that they give the dogs to to bring them to my house. All right. They didn't show up.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, then I got, I talked to the lady again, and she says, Well, maybe I told them to go to the uh, store up the road from your house if they couldn't find your house and wait there for you. Well, mm-hmm. I went up to that store. They're not there. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next day, I hear. Well, maybe they're in a uh, RV park. I've checked all the RV parks around. They're not there. This lady with the dogs has disappeared. Hmm. And I know that she had to come through that roadblock to get out of there. Right. But this this strong arm stuff is going on everywhere.
2: Right. So I, I you know, and, and from a legal standpoint. Uh, you know, I used to be a police officer years ago, and I know that you just can't stop somebody and search them for nothing. You have to have probable cause. You have to, you know, there has to be a reason for it. it just can't be well where they are. It's where they are at the time, but wrong place, wrong time. You get searched, and your car gets torn apart, and you get your guns taken away if there are any guns. So, mm-hmm. um, so, I, so when. You know obviously uh a big question a lot of people are asking and and I know the answer, but I think America'd like to hear it from you why didn't everybody take pictures with their phones and you know how people run around with cameras on their phones nowadays how 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 come the the folks in the vehicles didn't shoot video or pictures? Well, they probably did mhm what do you think became of their phones?
3: I have no idea. Hmm. Now See, think think about this too. One more little detail. Mm-hmm. Okay, all of the video that's coming out is supposedly from a drone flying over the top.
2: Well, that's now, nice they Every
3: have one of those nice patrol cars that
2: flying. That's nice they happened to have that flying when uh when they were going to just do this general regular uh traffic stop there out in the middle of nowhere. That's nice they had that flying, but that was that was coincident, yeah. wasn't it?
3: But where where are, where are all the dash cameras? Right. Where are all the close-up shots?
2: Right. Right. Where's the rest of that video? Where's the, If the drone is up there shooting video for who knows how long, where's the rest of it? Where's start and the finish? And why do they have what's called the metadata? Why is that all covered up and what they call redacted? So we don't know the exact location, the exact time, and, and all of those things. Uh, well, to me yeah, all
3: of that stuff was of, erased or covered up, yeah.
2: Right, 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 right. So, okay, so you, um, and I just want to touch on this really quick, because for America and what they're being told, um, you know, he was armed. Mr. Lavoie Finnicum was was shot in self-defense because he was armed. Now, I have very dear friends that I, I love dearly, have just uh, a boatload of respect for. Their take on the video that they saw was, look, guy, the guy clearly had a gun, And he was going for his gun. Now, I know being shot hurts. And when you get shot, you reach for the spot where you're hit.
3: Absolutely.
2: Uh, If you're hitting the hip or you're hitting the stomach, you're going to reach toward that area. If you're hitting underneath your arm, you're going to reach toward that area because you're hit by something that's coming at you. It's a lead injection at a high rate of speed. And so, and it hurts. It burns. It's it's, uh, kinetic energy that's being released inside your body. It's a reaction that every single person who shot has. Um, there was no gun. I looked at the video. There was no gun that I could see anywhere in that. In that video, well, if it was a gun, if the man had a gun, we'd see a gun. You can rest assured that the feds would show us. Here's the body. Here's the gun. Here's another thing I just want to be, I want America to know this, just so you can be clear on what kind of people we're dealing with in the feds here. You need to understand that they left this man lay face down in the snow. They made no attempt to go render aid to him. They made no attempt to summon uh, EMTs or ambulances or anything. Not even to give him one second of aid. They let the man lay there. Who knows how long he lay there before he expired, but um, we know he was a man of great faith, and we know that he's in heaven with the Heavenly Father now. So he is, he is made perfected and, um, and healed in the presence of God. That being said, the federal government, and you know, you need to understand, the federal government, or it, are the people that we hand them control. We're the elephant they put a chain around our ankle, and that's they control us with that chain. Now, as many of you know, an elephant can snap a chain, no problem. But it's conditioned from young. You can't break this. I have control over you. Mm-hmm. And, and the federal government has a thing, and, and they're telling us, quite frankly, things are that are just inconceivable to me that people would believe but people believe it it frankly it is inconce- inconceivable to me that that America didn't respond by the thousands to the Mallard Wildlife National Wildlife Refuge to support these ranchers men and women there is men and women there
3: well there's a, uh, there's been several of the militias that come in but we were kind of afraid that they might uh be a little too, uh, say I say, forceful mm-hmm. with the way they wanted to handle it, and right. we wanted to keep it peaceful. So you Ammon asked them perfect. to leave.
2: Okay, Ammon asked them to leave. What did they leave?
3: Yeah, they were very respectful.
2: I got you because that's not the so, story that's being told by the feds, and that's not the story being told by the the press. The press is saying, "Well, they were they were scary." They're running around with their guns, pointing their guns at people, threatening, threatening to die, you know, uh, and a lot of people are making a, a big deal out of Mr. Lavoy Finnicum. May God rest his soul. They're uh, making a big deal out of the fact that he said, look, I'm not going to jail. I'm not going to jail. Um, I have to think, based on what I've heard of who he is, his intention there wasn't, you won't take me alive, I will not be taken alive, which you know, they've paraphrased the, um, the media and the feds have paraphrased it to be that he was saying he wouldn't be taken alive and then he's going to rush these people and try to take them out and force them to kill him. But it well, sounds... To me... Yes, sir. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead.
3: Well, what I was going to say is uh, I talked to him, you know, I got to meet him. Uh, he was just a very nice gentleman, very pleasant to talk to. And I think... In my feelings about that whole deal with him is that he was ready, just like the woman who had the dogs. Right. Okay? He was ready to give up his life for this cause. Not that he wanted to. Right. My gosh, he had ten kids back down south down there that he wanted to go home to. Right. He wasn't wanting to die. He was just willing to, to stand up for this cause. Just like any soldier that goes into battle in a war, he don't want to die, but many of them do. Mm -hmm. And they all realize that when they go into battle, that they may not come out alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was saying, to my notion, that's that's the feeling I got the kind of person he was.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, Just like the lady with the dog's. She right. could have left, according to the agreement they had, okay? She could have left, but her husband was there,
0: all
3: mm-hmm. right? So she would not leave her husband's side because they wanted to arrest him because he was the guy in charge at the time, all mm-hmm. right? So she was crying when she talked to me, mm-hmm. more worried about her dog's safety than she was her own, and right. she would not leave her husband's side, uh-huh. Now, this is the kind of people that we want in this country.
2: Right, right. I agree, hundred percent. Absolutely. I don't think you meet a finer person than a um, a God fearing rancher who is, you know, they're they they just want to do well in this world and do well for the world. So that is
3: we want to um, be productive for our country.
2: Right. Now, I want to, you know, this, and I know you're right there with it, and you've talked to all these people firsthand, and I know you know the 18-year-old girl who was, per her audio testimony, which, quite frankly, I listen to and I believe, uh, she says she was in Mr. Finnecombe's vehicle, that he stepped out of the vehicle with his hands up, and he was walking toward some of the officers that were also coming out of the woods and coming toward him.
3: He was surrounded, and he walked out into the middle. Right. Before they that, were at, according to what I saw on the video.
2: Okay. And then, so here's the thing, and, and America, I don't think, understands. You know, we've already talked about how America doesn't understand what a rancher is or what a rancher does, what it's like to, you know, be out in the middle of, of thousands of acres. You know, we're so used to having... Uh, cell phone service everywhere we go, and Wi-Fi, and fast Internet and all this stuff, and searching the web. They don't know what it's like out there. It's it's remote. It's very, very remote. But also, the American people don't understand the people. See, I think we've lost uh, what happened here is um, I think I think we lost the war of words a while back, the description, the understanding, the truth, that is, America just didn't get. Like, for instance, American people—they don't understand. They don't—they're conditioned to think of Mister. Lavoy Finnecombe as a hillbilly terrorist with a whole bunch of kids or an undereducated buffoon.
3: Yeah, I've been treated that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, you served—you served your uh, on a large fire department as lieutenant, retired lieutenant. You know, clear. You know a little something about something, and. And so, but but America feels very comfortable for whatever reason. They feel very comfortable describing the folks involved with this, and I guess they include you with it because you've been up there. um, I don't. You took them a hog, right? You you slaughtered a hog and took it up to them.
3: Me and another guy set up some grills in my shop, and we cooked the whole hog and took it out to those people.
2: Wow. Wow. How about that? And and the folks. What was the demeanor? I think a lot of people want to know, when you went into the compound, you go up in there, what's the demeanor? I mean, are the are the people sitting there, um, you know, man, I just can't wait to shoot a Fed. I can't wait for these Feds to come after us. We're going to take them down. Or what are no, they saying? No, think? no,
3: no, nothing like that. Friendly, open arms. Come on in, visit with us, talk to us. We'll tell you what you want to know and uh, just make everybody – They they made people feel welcome when they come to the refuge. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was there several times. Uh, Mm -hmm. When they threatened to cut off the electricity, I immediately went and got my generator and hauled it out there to them.
0: Hmm.
3: But then they changed their mind about cutting off the electricity, and the generator's still sitting in the back of my truck.
0: Hmm. Wow.
3: it's It's just good people, just good to sit around, stand around a campfire and talk to each other, you know, about anything there was no talk about shooting feds or there, actually it was just everyday talk about your family and acquaintances and you know maybe how you feel about the constitution uh you know a, a lot of us uh, don't know the constitution i spent 2 days uh last week or to, well almost 2 weeks ago now Going to class to learn about the Constitution because i want to know what I'm doing I want to do it right,
0: mm-hmm.
3: so I did that uh tomorrow. I'm going to another class uh that's going to be two uh to learn about our local government and mm-hmm. and how it should work, operate mm-hmm. uh the Center for self governance uh it's a training session that I'm going to go to uh because and the Committee of Safety is doing the same thing. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. We want to know the right way, the proper way, and the peaceful way to do everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it sounds like you're doing the right things. Um, the The thing is, America, I talk about this a lot, um, and I know Center for Self-Governance talks about it a lot, is how do we keep the republic you know it's every, people say well we live in a democracy um we you know we don't live in a democracy by the way we live in no. a republic and there's That's a reason right. we live in a republic and the fact is is it's people think they're keeping the republic by voting once every 4 years for a president now a lot's going on right mm-hmm. now and you know folks folks are bickering at each other and uh y- you know it's just a it's just a mess it's, a, it's sort of an embarrassing mess but the thing is is we have to be all of us and you're gonna learn about this tomorrow, um you we have to keep the republic. We have to be keepers of the republic. And it's every day. We have to do it every day because every day people who don't want us to be free, they want to keep a chain around our ankle and tell the elephant, Hey, you can't do anything I don't let you do. I'm where you get your food. I'm where you get your money. Uh, I am the 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 way for you to go on and do what you do. So the yes. fact of the matter is 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 this is this is important. And you're tomorrow you're going to learn that, Mister Snipes. I'm so excited for you. I can tell you, I just uh, completed level four today of the Center for Self Governance, and I'm telling you right now, it's it's world class training. I'm ex- I know the trainer, and you're going to have phenomenal training there. And and then. In addition to that, you know, it's important for us to know that this terrible thing did happen. Now, this didn't happen in a vacuum. They may have chosen, the feds may have chosen an abandoned, um, very uh, remote area.
3: To very do
2: remote. They didn't, they didn't want anybody to see. But you know what? You know what? <clears throat> and Mr. Finnecombe, I didn't know him, but from what I've learned of him, from people that know him personally and from you and the time that you've, uh, blessed us with this evening. Um, I have to say, I th- I think if I'm understanding a man who, a man of great faith, a man who he and his wife took in all the 50 foster kids, and he had 11, 10 or 11 kids now, uh, he'd never asked the government for a dime, all of these things, he would say, hey, don't let me die in vain. Don't let me. Don't let this for been for for naught. Don't let this have been. I give my life. But you know, what was he? sixty sixty two years old. Sixty two.
3: Uh, 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 yeah, something like that. Yeah. 54,
2: 54. Hold on. Now he was four years older than me. I'm fifty years old. Four years older than me. In great health, hardworking man. Uh, no reason to believe he didn't have a whole lot of years ahead of him. But freedom and liberty was so important to him that he stopped what he was doing in his life. And a rancher is always busy. He stopped what he was doing. He left his family. And he said, I've got to go up there and support these ranchers. Because the the federal government, it, the ones that put the, the chain around your ankle and say, Hey, Mr. Elephant, guess what you can't do? You can't do anything I don't tell you to do. He He would say... I believe don't let this be in vain. Don't let this don't let me dying. Well, as long it.
3: as I'm alive, I'm gonna to try to keep it from his uh life yeah. from being wasted.
2: Amen. As long you as I'm alive. Amen. Amen. You can kill the body, but you cannot <clears throat> kill the future of liberty. And that's you are you are gonna um uh, you are definitely gonna learn that. So I really oh um I tell you I you know it's it's an, first of all it's an honor to, to have you on with us. I I am you are to be honored because of your bravery and the fact that you uh that you're doing this interview. Uh we have an audience. We don't have a huge audience. Uh we have about 600 a little over 600,000 folks all around the world, but we're not, you know, I'm not a Sean Hannity or anybody like that. Um But the fact is, enough folks listen, and I really, um, I I want you to know that it means a lot to me that you not only, uh, you not only went through this ordeal. Because this is, folks, you need to understand, this is an upsetting thing. This is a man he knows, sat around the campfire, fed, uh, that he cared for. Him and all the others involved, these are people that he knows that now this good man, this father, uh, this foster father of 50, this rancher never asked the government for a dime, never came to the American people and said, hey, what are you going to give me? Mm -hmm. Never had his hand out. Not one day in his life. This man is gone. But here's the thing, here's the powerful thing that we all need to remember. Now, before I say what I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. We need to understand we cannot let this be in vain. And part of that not letting it be in vain is to keep the pressure on the federal government to get the truth. We know how long it took us to get the truth, and we're still getting the truth on Benghazi, uh, all of these other things. We know that we have to be keepers of the republic. We have to be plugged in and, and involved. And here's the thing, folks. It's not just on the federal level. It's on the state level. Can you imagine? Because that was the big difference in uh, in the Bundy Ranch situation. There was a sheriff there that knew his constitutional role as sheriff, and he was friends with the Bundys, and he intervened, and he met with the Bundys, and that ended peacefully because they had a relationship with a local person who who was in charge, a person who was accountable, the sheriff. Mm -hmm. The different story here, because the sheriff here, uh, as I'm understanding it, hung them out to dry.
3: Yeah, he did, and he's not an elected sheriff. Mm -hmm. Our sheriff retired last year, and this guy was appointed by uh, the people. uh, He was recommended by the old sheriff, but he was appointed by our our, uh, commissioners. Now, uh, what people need to understand, and this is what I've learned studying the Constitution recently, that I had no idea, the federal government has no jurisdiction within any sovereign state within the United States. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Now, that's every state. So when they were set up, it was a contract that the states set up this central government. They give them 10 acres. That's all they had control over. They had control over territories, but once they become a state, they were a sovereign state, and the federal government right. had no jurisdiction within that state except for property where they had to put a building to conduct business. Well, now, here's
2: the thing. Tomorrow tomorrow at your CSG training, you're going to learn this. Um, look, there there is state level. There's county. There's the city of Burns. Uh, there's all those officials that uh, you're going to learn how to engage them using the language of liberty, uh, and, and and you're going to you're going to learn how to deal with them in a way that is is simply undeniable. But the thing is, we have to remember that even though the feds did this, our our, our republic doesn't consist of the federal government only. They're not the only jurisdiction. There's multiple jurisdictions. There's, there's there's checks and balances that, unfortunately, in this case, and I I'll I'll tell you right now. I think after tomorrow, there's going to be a whole lot of folks that come out of that training and say this will never happen again because now we know. Now yeah. we know, and uh, we're gonna we we are going to stoke the brush fires of freedom. We're gonna we're gonna have the tree of liberty, not. I hear the term "grassroots" and I cringe when I hear it because in mm. eighteen eighty, that was a that was a coin a term coined in eighteen. I think it was eighteen eighty. Was eighteen eighty? Eighteen eighty. Grassroots. No. It was a derogatory. It was a pejorative term uh, because grass grows and it has very short roots, very shallow. It's easy to pull it up. Uh, that's why geese, you know, when geese land on a golf course, they tear it up because it's so easy to pull the pull it just just pull it right up by the roots. You know, little goose can do that. And yeah. the fact is, is a goose can't come up to a tree and put his beak around the stem, around the trunk, and yank it out. Because why? Because those those roots go so deep into the soil, and they, and it's just such a, a um, it's a powerful thing. But the other thing too is, you know, I talked about uh, state, county, and city uh, officials, but you know what? Regional is the key. There's a lot of elections that we don't have anybody in, nobody runs because nobody knows, nobody cares. Those people go from those elected roles into higher roles, and then they get elected into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Before you know it, there's people, because these people don't know a thing about what you're going to learn tomorrow. I guarantee you, tomorrow in eight hours' time, by the time eight hours is up, you're going to know more than every single elected official as to what, the the constitution says and what your what your rights are and what our responsibilities are to keep the republic you're going to know more about that in 8 hours than any of the people that are elected in the state of Oregon i i am well, telling you i can guarantee it
3: There are going to be a lot of us know it because uh they're sold out
2: well let me tell you this you know how the BLM and, and fish and wildlife and all these people. You know how they you know how they were able to do what they were doing? Because nobody knew what they could and can't do. And here's what they're depending on. Here's what they're depending on. They're depending on all of the people there, the ranchers and all this other group of people who have gathered there to support the Hammonds. They are depending on them saying, Well holy moly the federal government done shot somebody up in here and killed him dead. Shot him <laughs> three times while they were face down in the snow. Didn't tend to his dead body. If they do that to him and can get away with it, my lands, what will they do to us? We had better yep. do what they tell us to do.
3: Yeah, that, I figure that's uh, why they did it. Right. That my opinion.
2: Yeah. Was they're to counting. stop
3: us from joining arms, lock arms. With the county next to
2: us. Well, I can, I, I can, I can tell you this. Um, you know, like we've covered a lot of things tonight, and I know that you've you've got things you've got to do, and I I hate holding you up, and I'm just honored that you would take the time to spend with us. Um, we've covered a lot of things about. Do you think that he rushed them with a gun? Like you said, you you've clearly identified. Nope. You know, they didn't have guns in the vehicle. The guns that they had were back at the refuge. And the yeah. person you talked to said, I'm looking right at the guns right now. They're here right now. Did not anybody rush anybody with a gun? Because they didn't have a gun. Um, and uh, so, you know, here's, here's the thing. Ultimately, here's the thing. You know, we've covered, you know, uh, why, you know, people think, it's funny to me, people, what, The technology people think, city people think that other people out in the country, way out in the middle of nowhere, think that everybody has the technology they have. Well, why didn't you have dash cams? Well, why weren't you using your smartphone or your iPhone or whatever phone to videotape it? Why didn't you upload it to YouTube? Well, out there, as we've covered, there is no cell service. There's none whatsoever. We've covered the fact that this was, in fact, and I know I talked to you before we went on air, that... They knew which vehicle Ammon was in. They knew which vehicle uh, Mr. Finnegan was in. Mm -hmm. They blocked As soon as you came through, they blocked behind you, and they locked it down. Nobody could go in. Nobody could go out. It was locked down. We've covered that not only was nobody in, in Ammon Bundy's car armed, but Mr. Lavoie Finnegan was unarmed at the time of the stop. We've also covered the fact that ultimately to you and really to me this was an ambush.
3: Well let me let me put this point out. Lavoie was a good man with all his foster children, his adopted children, his real children, okay. The eighteen year old girl that was in the back seat he thought of as like a daughter. Wow. Okay. He loved that little girl and she loved him because they had become good friends.
2: That poor thing.
3: Why that... would he put her, his somebody that he thought of like a daughter, why would he put her in danger by being armed? Right. The reason, I think, that he got away from the vehicle like he did was to try to get them out of the line of fire.
2: Right. Right. And uh, that's what she... Um, that's what she, and, and that's the first thing. And I, I obviously can't speculate here because I wasn't there, but based on all of the things that I've been told, all the testimony, and and she was in the car, the actual car, that he wanted to get away from the vehicle so that nobody in the vehicle got hurt.
3: Yep. That's, what that, seems that's to the me. way I feel. That's the kind of man he was,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know, from my perception of him. That's the kind of person he was.
2: Seemed like he it. didn't
3: want anybody to get hurt. And the whole time they're out there at the refuge, Ammon preached every day. Wow. Do not if they come to you to arrest you, put your weapon down mm. and you know, surrender. We mm. don't want anybody hurt. And wow. Lavoy that's the way he was.
2: hmm What a testimony. You know? What a testimony. And now now the thing is, is America doesn't believe that because they've you all have been portrayed as a bunch of hillbillies, a bunch of gun happy, trigger happy hillbillies who can't wait to get in your military. Uh, what do they call it? Militia gear and you know try out your try out all your army gear. But mm-hmm. n- now we know that that's that's nothing of the sort. That's nothing, absolutely nothing of the sort. And and ultimately, um, it really reminds me. It really really reminds me. America it's up to us it is up to us it's up to us for this to matter enough to you that you do something and the first thing i recommend to do i'll tell you it's and it sounds crazy to folks folks they look at me like i have three heads and i say this the answer the secret sauce is in the center for self-governance and i'll and i'll tell you what else too but level one, which you'll be taking tomorrow, is the, is, is the ground level. And you're going to hear things, I am telling you, you're going to hear things that are going to blow your mind. And I'm looking
3: things, forward to it.
2: Oh, I can't wait. I wish I could see your face. I really, it's, it's going to be a paradigm shift of epic proportion because the light's going to go on for all of the people that are there that are privileged to sit in this class. And I know who the instructor is. Let me tell you, you're going to have your, that little one's going to knock your socks off and on top of that you're going to learn the language of liberty you're going to learn the reality of your situation you're going to learn that the the government or it you know the the handler the controller that is lorded control over you is not absolutely they're they're absolutely your thinking as it relates to the government you're going to go from the governed who who have a chain around their ankle and don't know how strong they are to thinking and speaking of keeping the republic you're going to have the tools, and I'll tell you what else America let me tell you don't tell me you don't have time, don't tell me well, I'm too old, I'm too young i'm too busy i'm I'm too depressed, I'm too this, I'm too that, it's too hopeless I'm going to say this to you if Mr. Ed Snipes at 72 years old after the life he's lived can still be doing all he's doing and then run up in there and sit all day long in a meeting house to to learn how to keep the republic, well, by lands, y'all can do it too. You can do it too. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too fat. You're not too skinny. None of those things. You're not any of those things. You're an American. You're not a hyphened American. You're not a... You know all this business with the with the African American, the Mexican American, the this, that, and the other. I am telling you. I, I want you to understand something. I, I'll, I'll just I'm just going to tell you something. I wasn't going to do it because I don't want to get choked up, but it means a lot to me. I want you to know, and and I'll tell you what. I I, I tell you what else. I, I'll just tell you right now. The listeners want you to know that we are behind you. That we're standing and applauding you for doing what you do and doing what you've done and what you're going to do tomorrow and in coming days and for standing up for what's right and there's a lot of respect being uh showing to you that you're a man of a, a great American with great courage and character and strength and you're to be honored for that. And one of the questions uh folks just sent to me um is is this and and I want to make sure do you know, based on, like I listened to the video, or I listened to the audio of the young girl, do you know if um, anybody confirmed for you, did Mr. Finnicum say, just shoot me, just shoot me, to the feds? Before uh, you
3: at the incidents, I couldn't tell you.
2: Okay. Maybe I couldn't you, tell you. I wasn't, you wasn't anybody,
3: there, I don't
2: know. If you uh, talked to dear young lady or something like that. No, she's in
3: hiding right now.
2: I don't blame her. Good lands, I don't blame her.
3: Nobody, we don't want anybody knowing where she's at. I don't even want to know where she's at. Yeah. But I know she's protected and nobody can get to her. She has been traumatized
2: and she doesn't need it. God bless her. So,
3: uh, And just to let your audience know, uh, I am a veteran. I had Two daughters that were in the Marine Corps.
2: Mm. Semper Fi. My
3: father was at Iwo Jima when the flag was raised. All right, and I have a college education.
2: Mm. Well, God bless you. That's awesome. Well, that certainly doesn't so, play into the narrative of just a dumb rancher. Yeah, and, we and think, I'll
3: tell you this. Well. These ranchers out here, as soon as their children graduate from high school, they send them to college.
2: Right. Right. And they get these, them to gr- these.
3: Mm-hmm. These people out here are college educated. They are not. But the thing about their college education and a lot of these other people is, they actually learned something when they went to college, because mm-hmm. they had the background and the training to get up every morning and take care of their responsibilities.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, and the thing is, is they know what daily hard work is, starting at sunup to sundown, and even the middle of the night, you know, you hear a coyote or something running after your livestock. You've (laughs) got to get up, and you've got to handle it. You've got to do it to be done.
3: mm -hmm. Well, we do that and we bale our hay at night because it has to have a certain percentage of moisture in it to, so you don't leave lose the leaves off of it you know right. we work around the clock 24/7 these animals have to be taken care of every day even yep. when they're out in a pasture somewhere you know eating grass you got to go check on them cuz right. they get in trouble you right. know they'll they'll bog down in a mud hole or they'll get caught in a fence or anything like that and you've got to go check on them every day.
2: Right. And you've got to be committed.
3: And they've gotta got to, to they've care. got to be doctored when they're sick, you know, and uh when they're having calves, you check on them every night. You get up in the middle of the night and you go out and you check on them to make sure that the the mama cows are not having trouble with their births, you know, birthing their calves and stuff. And you have to pull calves. you have to uh you know it's people just don't understand
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know they they see a hay field well, he goes out there and cuts it, and then he bails it up right. Well, you gotta know how much moisture's in it, you gotta know when it's cured, you gotta know when to cut it because when it's mature, you can't let it mature too much, you can't cut it too early it's and you better be a damn good mechanic.
2: That's for sure. Because that not, equipment you can't breaks down. People. That's right. You can't be calling people. You know what? You said something that really stood out to me. and um, You know, professors who don't know a thing about the life you lead and that the Hammonds lead and the, the Bundys lead and, and Mr. Finnicum led and so many others, ranchers and farmers around the country, th- those professors teaching college kids nowadays, they don't know anything about that life. They have the easy life. And you know what? No, the, youth, the youth come out of college now, they don't know anything about the life. And and the thing is, is most Americans cannot empathize with this. And, I, and I'll tell you, it just brought to mind something that Mark reminded me of, is at CSG, at Center for Self-Governance, you are going to learn how to communicate with fellow citizens in a way that's very effective. So when you tell your story about who you are and what you are and what you do, uh, you are we 're going to teach you how to be more effective we 're going to teach you the words you use and how to how to do it in such a way that is just undeniable well i I have to say, is there anything else that you 'd like to tell our audience i i 'll give you the floor um, anything you 'd like to tell our audience and and um, because frankly, i think you 're to be honored for for what you 've done for serving our country, raising daughters that served our country and the great united states marine corps and I'm a Navy veteran myself, and and so you're to be honored for what you've done, what you've accomplished in your life, for serving as a fireman and retiring, um, you know, after all those decades as a as a, a fireman and a public servant, and all the, the cowboy work that you've done, and and also for the way that you've ministered to the folks up there at the at the refuge, taking them food, praying with them, uh, you know, sitting and, and worshiping with them. And uh that, that means something and I'll tell you for a man seventy two years old who could just say, Hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go sit in here behind this television and I'm gonna watch whatever whatever they want to pump out of this T V for me. I'm gonna watch that and I'm gonna I'm just gonna sit here and be comfortable. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything more. For you to do what you've done, not only tonight, but in your in your life is pretty impressive and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna make a commitment to you. I make my way up to uh, your neck of the woods. I'm gonna find a way to take you wherever you want to go and have a meal, and I'm gonna sit and have a meal with you. And I'd be honored to do it.
3: Best place to have a meal is at my house.
2: The door is always
3: open. And nothing better than home
2: cooked. Hey, nothing, nothing, nothing better than home cooked. You know, you don't get any better Mm. than that. So that's an invitation. Folks that know me say, I won't turn down a meal. You can't look at me and know that. So you you are just, you're you're on all of our prayer lists. Um, your perseverance, your vulnerability, and your time with us is, is precious. So is there anything that you'd like to tell the audience before we sign out for the evening?
3: Well, the only other thing I would like to say is uh, about me. you got a lot of people that live in the city that think that I don't know what it's like in the city. Right. Okay. I was a big city firefighter. I wasn't in some little podunk town or some volunteer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I served in the big cities. I have fought ship fires with Nam that were loaded with ammunition. All right. I have uh, fought high-rise fires, uh, grass fires from one extreme to the other. Uh, My job was to go inside and communicate with the people outside, okay, to let them know what was going on and control what was happening inside. Now, as far as the people in the city, that's where I spent all of my time working, was inside the city, Mm -hmm. downtown. Uh, Now, I spent my time in the ghetto working, in a neighborhood that was a black neighborhood in the South, okay, a very poor neighborhood. I earned the respect to those people in that neighborhood when I was working there
0: mm-hmm.
3: because there was a lot of laws that, uh, like, you couldn't burn, have an open burn inside the city. Well, these, these guys that lived in that neighborhood, uh, they didn't have any money. So they would get together and pool their money and buy a six-pack of beer, set up a little table out in the front yard, have a 55-gallon drum that they could build a little fire in to keep warm, all right, and they would sit there and play dominoes or checkers or something like that and just enjoy each other's company. Well, then there'd be some idiot riding down the road that would call, oh, they've got an open fire, we got to have them put that out. Well, I got several of those kind of calls, and what I would do when I get there is I would tell them, look, put you a grill over the top of that, or something that you can lay a hot dog on, and I'll call it in as a barbecue grill. Mm -hmm. I did not succumb to the fact, and I did not sell my soul for my paycheck. Mm -hmm. My father was a career law law enforcement officer, okay? Mm. And I am very proud of him because he never sold his soul for that badge or that paycheck. Mm. He was a peace officer, not a law enforcement officer. Mm -hmm. And when he retired, he was chief of criminal investigations for a large city. Mm. Not the same one I was in, but a different one. So there's all Americans. There's a right and there's a wrong. And it don't take the Constitution or the Ten Commandments, for us to know the difference between right and wrong. I believe Mm -hmm. in the Ten Commandments, and I believe in the Constitution, but we don't need them to know the difference between right and wrong, Mm -hmm. the way we treat our fellow neighbors, our fellow Americans, uh, anybody that comes to visit us or anything else. I live in a very rural area. The closest place you can get fuel south of me is 120 miles. Wow. And people coming up from that area run out of gas in my area all the time. Mm. I cannot tell you how many gallons of gas I have given to people so they could make it to the next service station. Mm. It's it's uh, I've had people come up to my house at 2 o'clock in the morning. My dogs let me know when somebody comes to my gate. Mm -hmm. Uh, nobody can sneak up on me so i get up and take a look i have never never closed my door to anybody that needed help and i feel like that's the way we all need to be we are all people in a world we are all connected and we are all in this together
2: amen Amen. Well, that's a sermon that I'll preach on Sunday because it's the truth every other day of the week, and that uh, that's powerful. Um, as we go out, I want to say this: I'll be in contact with you over the next day or so uh, to chat with you and 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 to just to thank you one on one, man to man, um, and, and for taking the time. But as we go out, I, I want to say this: I'm going to, and I you know, folks jump off the jump off the connection a lot of times just a second too soon. I want to play uh, because I know Mr. Finnecombe was a God fearing, America loving patriot. Yes, he was. I I want to play taps for him. Uh, And if you folks would be willing to hang on and listen to that, and then we'll have an announcement as we go. But uh, in the meantime, I want to say goodbye to you, Uh, Mr. Snipes. I, I so appreciate it. It means the world to me you join us. Thank you so much.
3: Well, it has been my pleasure. Uh it's hard to get the word out.
2: Well, we'll help you any way I can and if I can help you in the future you feel free to let me know. We're gonna play this tribute to uh Mr. Finnecombe, and uh and then and then we're gonna close out. Thank you so much, well, I sir. I
3: hope I can hear it.
2: <laughs> oh yes sir, you you definitely will be able to. America, those of you who are the praying sort, if you'd be willing to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us this time. We thank you for the bravery and the courage and the honor uh, of Mr. Snipes and, and all of the others that are there and that are fighting the good fight, fighting a fight for the gift that you gave us, liberty and freedom. And God, uh, we we apologize for not doing more on our side. To cherish liberty. To speak the words of of liberty instead of the words of captivity. And Father, you gave us the republic as the greatest gift uh, outside of your son, Jesus Christ. You gave us this gift of liberty and freedom. This republic. And Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness. You've already given it to Mr. Snipes. Obviously, through the amazing life that he's led and the amazing things he's doing now, and and so many others who had laid it all on the line to go out there to Oregon and stand. And Father, we pray a very, very special prayer for someone I know, based on what we know of his life, was near and dear to you. And I know that you've welcomed Mr. Lavoy Finnicum into your arms. And I pray for the family that's left behind this giant family of respectful, kind people, citizens who love liberty, who love liberty enough to stand for it, who care enough, who care enough. to do something more than just talk about it. Father, I thank you for those people. I thank you for those the the people who liberty and freedom means more to them than just standing and taking off their hat at a ball game. What a gift you gave us, the most precious gift outside of your son Jesus. And Father, I ask right now that you protect this Mr. Snipes told us about this woman who was worried about her dogs, hadn't been seen. I just pray that you'd protect her, that she'd be safe somewhere, hold up somewhere. You protect her. This young girl who is in hiding because she's afraid of what the government will do to her. Protect her and protect those who are protecting her. The sheepdogs who have surrounded her as her protection. I ask that you give them supernatural and divine protection. And Father, I I pray a special prayer for Mr. Snipes that you would protect him. And I, I thank you so much for for who and what he is, and I ask that you just really genuinely protect all of the people, these classes tomorrow, these Center for Self Governance classes, that people are afraid. They're they're they don't know what to do, they're fearful. A lot of people are panicking. And I ask Father that you protect these people, that you stand supernaturally around them, such that it cannot be denied who is their protector. And finally, Father, I know that you love us. If you didn't love us, you wouldn't have given us this beautiful, beautiful country. And I ask, Father, that the beauty of this country, the, the amazing gift that it is, would be so precious to us that never could we look upon the stars and stripes without tears in our eyes. Never could we look upon the cross, the empty cross, without tears our eyes, with gratitude, for the gift of your son, Jesus. And I just, I really thank you. I thank you for my audience and the folks that have taken the time to tune in at this late hour tonight. And God, I just pray that you bless and keep those who have taken the time to do that and that you would stoke the brush of freedom in them. I pray this in your heavenly name. Amen.